Okay, today joining me is Jack Ferguson. Now, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time to get on the podcast. I've been meaning to get you on away, uh, get you on for a while. You know, I was supposed to do it last week, but then I had a situation with the Pfizer jab and not feeling too great afterwards. But we finally got you back. And I just want to ask, man, just want to say thank you. And how you been? Uh, I'm fantastic, bro. Thank you for having me here. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to doing this with you for a long time. So uh, I'm glad the day finally came. Yeah, that, that's good to hear, man. So honestly, from uh, for when I was doing my research for this podcast, obviously, you know, I want to make sure I get everything now down and all that. I got to admit, man, it was, wasn't too hard to find information on you. But you are someone who's pretty much almost living the fighter's dream right now. I mean, when we first started talking, you told me you were posted up in Bangkok. I mean, how long have you been there for? Uh, I've been in Thailand for four years and Bangkok for one year. Wow. So where were you staying in Thailand before Bangkok? Uh, I was living in Chiang Mai. It's like a small like village town, I guess, in like the northern part of Thailand. Have you been? Yeah, I've been to Phuket a couple of times. Uh, mm-hmm. So I visited uh, Thai and Muay Thai, uh, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is a phenomenal place. I mean, I've never actually been inside, but I've, I've scoped it out from the outside. I've had people mm-hmm. uh, take me tours around the place. But wait, where you are, I've never been before, nor have I actually been to Bangkok. So my knowledge of Thailand is very, very brief. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I wanted to actually start off, man. But like, if you've been living there for four years, like, wh- what persuaded you to go there in the first place and start living there? Uh, for me, bro, like, um, I feel like I was sort of at a, at like the crossroads, you know, like I was good enough. I was competing professionally in New Zealand, but still working like uh, that nine to five grind, you know, like construction and this kind of stuff. And um, I felt kind of like, I always had the dream of being, you know, like living fighters lifestyle, but it wasn't, it didn't really make it real for me until I made it everything, you know, because especially to people like my parents, my friends, it was more like a hobby, you know? And so um, I felt kind of like stagnated by, by comfort, bro. Like uh, it's too easy to go drink with the boys or, you know, go chase girls and these kind of things. Um, feel like it was tough to focus just on training so i needed to have like like tunnel vision you know and um a few of my boys from new zealand had already made the move out to thailand they sort of paved the way so um i got a sponsorship at a gym with them and um that's what really like solidified this as a as a like possibly as a career path you know so that's what made it professional that's what made it real for me instead of just being like a pipe dream or like a hobby Wow. So if you don't mind me asking, Jack, how old are you, man? Uh, I just turned 26. Oh, congratulations. Happy birthday, man. Uh, Thank you, bro. Great. So if you're 26, you've been in Thailand for four years. You moved out there when you were 22. Oh, so you moved out there when you were my age. How long were you uh, competing in professionally before you made that jump to, uh, to Thailand? So um, I've been competing since I was 18. So, um, what's eight years now, but, um, yeah, I turned pro like a month after training, I started training and took like my first two pro fights back to back and then lost both of them. And I was like, oh, I should probably actually learn how to fight first before. I- <laughs> wow. 
as in like your first ever pro Muay Thai fights or are we talking MMA fights? MMA. Wow. Like, like uh, I fought in Australia, actually. I fought in Sydney twice. That's, that's uh, correct. Yes. Because uh, I'm glad you pulled that up as well. You cleared something up for me because when I was doing my research on you, I couldn't find anything on your amateur, uh, on your amateur career. The first... Doesn't the exist, only, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's why. Because I was thought, oh, maybe this guy's a badass. He's had like some unsanctioned fights, which a lot of fighters, they tell me they go through when they're at the amateurs. You know, they have a little mm-hmm. few underground fights here and there. But man, you went straight to pro. Wow. So walk, walk me through. What was that like? Um, It was actually... It sounds weird. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared in those fights because I didn't know the difference between just being some retard that can fight a little bit and then like a pro fighter, you know, like every guy on the street thinks he can beat Mark Hunt in a fight, you know? And so like, I kind of had like that stupid kid mentality. Yeah, I'll beat anyone. I don't care. <laughs> and they asked me to fight. And to be honest, I wasn't scared in those fights. I was completely confident. I uh, didn't really know what I was doing, but but I had that like that naive, like, uh, I don't know, youth mentality, you know, not scared of anything. So um, it was kind of, it was pretty interesting, bro. And then, um, yeah, then I sort of sat down afterwards and I was like, all right, if I want to take this seriously, I have to actually wait, take a break, learn how to fight, take some kickboxing fights for experience or something like this, you know, like, um, because, yeah, I went 0-2, like, within a couple of months. And I was like, oh, this is not a good start to my professional career, you know? So literally within a month, you start, you just went pro, you went absolutely right into the deep end, and then you had your first fight against uh, George Melissus, uh, which was yeah. uh, a loss, which is actually a loss for your you know, decision, which honestly, for a first fight, that's not ba- a bad thing because you, know, you didn't get knocked out, you didn't get submitted, you went mm-hmm. the distance, and obviously, you only had a very short period of time of training, so I got a hiding to be honest, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but, um, but yeah, I, I took it, bro. My second fight was um, I lost by like first round choke, mm. but um, yeah, again, I didn't know what a choke was, you know. <laughs> I wow. was like, damn. So, what what made you like? want to just start competing straight away if you've only been training for such a short period of time um i just got like the the opportunity popped up i guess um there's someone called called up and they were like oh we need a at the time i was fighting bantamweight they're like oh we need a bantamweight over here in in sydney in eight weeks and i was like i'll fucking do it bro <laughs> i was like yeah i don't care i'll fight and then coach is like okay and then we trained and stuff but um yeah, looking back, I'm kind of glad that I did it because it put everything in perspective for me. You know, it really like shaped the way that I approach training now. And like, because uh, I realized like he's not necessarily like better than me, but he'd just been training more than me. He did train longer, knew more. So I think that's what really separates the difference is like, uh, you know, like what Connor says, like everyone's sort of created equal, but like whoever works hardest, whoever does the most uh, training, the most like effort, you know they're probably going to come out on top. Not always, but a lot of the time. Well, it's certainly paid off uh, right now, considering you've been competing for quite some time. 
Now, also going back uh, through some of your fights, uh, your most recent fight, um, oh God, I hopefully I pronounce. I had a rough time trying to pronounce this guy. Is Wisava? Wisava King? Wisava. Uh-huh. Ah, lovely. Thank you, thank you for clearing that up. Uh, which you formed a really, like I tell you, you've come a long way, obviously, since your first fight because you formed a really nice takedown. You got that first first round win by a nice takedown, and then you went straight for the arm triangle, which was pretty impressive and all that. Uh, can you walk me through what you were experiencing during that fight? During this fight, um, I knew, uh, I'd seen some of his fights. I knew he's got the big kicks, like uh, really good Muay Thai, you know? And um, I knew he wasn't much of a grappler, but very good, like, striker, you know. And Thai style, like, um, body kicks scored the most out of anything in Muay Thai. So I knew I sort of stood, like, uh, elbows wider, like, leaving the body open, hoping he'd kick it, and he did, which led to the takedown. Like, um, wait for the kick, catch it, take him down. And um, I just landed in a position uh, I didn't actually plan on an arm triangle. It's not really a choke that I do, to be honest. Like, um, I'm more of like a das, rear naked. Like, these are the chokes that I like to use, like to work, you know. But um, I just sort of had the position and sort of felt it. Okay, very, very impressive. Uh, and then again, like this was this wasn't too uh, too long ago, considering you only just you fought uh, just at the beginning of this year, uh, and. One thing I was going to say right now, I'm, I'm happy that you managed to get a fight in because speaking to a lot of the fighters, like COVID sucked for them. Big oh, time. The worst. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I wanted to ask you about, man, as well. Like, uh, what's the situation with COVID right now, like in uh, Thailand? Uh, so it was really bad, like uh, maybe a month ago. Like we're like locked down, like North Korea style, you know, like, we, like you're not allowed to go out like uh, – everything was closed restaurants and stuff. And, um, now the cases really started to drop. And so, um, like restaurants are open and we are starting to open everything more. I think some fights are resuming next month, but they're like TV fights, you know, so no crowd, nothing like this, but, um, it's very good news to see that there'll be some fights happening. Cause, uh, as soon as we're allowed to have like a small gathering when well, we can put fights on and we can begin competing again, but um, my biggest thing, bro, is I want to be able to travel. You know, like um, there's like a bunch of guys in New Zealand that I can fight or uh, I've been learning Japanese so that I can go to Japan and fight and speak Japanese, you know. But um, yeah, right now it's mainly travel restrictions that are stopping us from from fighting, you know. Wow. So before I lead on to my next question, I wanted to ask, what would you rather prefer? Would you rather head back to New Zealand or you want to plan on going to Japan for your next fight? Hmm. It really depends. I think uh, in terms of like exposure and leading towards like the next big step, Japan's probably better because um, it'll be, I'll be fighting on probably Ryzen. Um, like yeah. uh, quite a big show, you know, but um, if I fight in New Zealand, I'll probably just fight Aaron Toe for the belt. Like, um, which would be nice as like a, realistically, I want to fight in New Zealand. So they pay for my flights from Thailand to New Zealand. So I can just go see my family and stuff and collect a souvenir along the way. It's not really like a, fighting in New Zealand isn't really like my goal. You know, it's not like my, I'm not saying that I've passed it, but there's other fights so like in Japan, for example, that offer a lot more opportunity, more connections, exposure. So, um, 
fighting in New Zealand's nice if I can get like uh just get the fights in, you know. But um it's I'm not gonna try and make a huge like stake of my career in New Zealand. That makes that makes a lot of sense considering that you know Japan is a massive step up. We've got like right out, and over there they're sort of like next to the UFC. Japan, over in Japan, they're leading as well, and the Asia Pacific, they're sort of leaving the way in terms of MMA, especially in kickboxing and water as well. Considering now that one championship has got like yeah, kickboxing and Muay Thai stuff going on, and Leafway, and the fact that these fighters are happy because they believe they're getting looked after, they have to worry too much about weight cuts, not even that, but Ryzen are putting out some killers right now. So I, I definitely think that it's a good opportunity for you to like. But make your way up then as well in the ranks for sure so are you hoping to go over there and compete in mma or are you still hoping maybe to get more some muay thai experience in what's uh what's your game plan so realistically bro i only want to fight muay thai if it's like just local stadium fights that are just nothing like uh i'm not really a muay thai fighter bro like um i'm not interested in fighting muay thai at all i'll do it for like just to keep the ring rust away, you know, fight some local guys that are like, you know, my level of striking and stuff like that. But um, I'm not trying to be like Lumpini champion or anything. It doesn't interest me. I want to, in terms of fighting for money, fighting for exposure, it's MMA. If I want to fight, yeah, just for experience, I haven't fought for a while. Um, like I'll probably fight Muay Thai in the next couple months, if possible, just because otherwise I might have to wait until next year before I can fight MMA again. But um, if I if I go there, to be honest, bro, my my big goal right now is I want to fight Tenshin Nasukawa in MMA. Because um, he's so to say, why is that the guy that you want to fight right now? It's uh, uh, well, he's undefeated to everybody except Floyd Mayweather. So um, he's he's the guy that fought Floyd on the New Year's show in Japan for boxing. Um, he fought my teammate. Fritz uh in kickboxing and he's now 4-0 in MMA so he seems like he's got a very big name he's very popular really well known he's fought some of the best in the world like Floyd you know yeah and so um for that reason I want to strangle him and be the guy to be the guy to beat him you know fair point fair point because I'm actually uh, glad you also brought up the Floyd Mayweather fight as well I mean that was a very very sketchy fight i mean the fact that he went down like that in the first round you know it was quite quick uh and he almost like humiliated the poor guy as well you know by the end and then they took off floyd mayweather's uh gloves and his hands were barely wrapped and all that so the whole thing was just almost embarrassing but i'm glad you called him out because he since then has been something of a resurgence and lately, he's definitely been uh, making the make, making the names. He's definitely got an impressive MMA record, that's for sure. Uh, 100% in the future, I can definitely see you fighting that. That would be, ma be massive as well on the grand, on the grand stage and all because I don't uh, – and also to avenge a teammate like that as well, that's, that's huge. Uh, apologies, I might, maybe I didn't have that in my notes, but when did he fight your teammate? Um, I believe it was end of 2019. So right before COVID kicked off, um, Fritz fought him in Japan. And um, yeah, they, they did really well. And uh, But he beat he beat my teammate, of course. And um, yeah, for that, I kind of just want to be, he seems like the guy. 
he's got it sounds stupid but he's got the most followers on instagram the most he's the most popular guy in japan right now and so um like i speak uh i don't speak i'm learning japanese like i got my homework right here you know like like uh i've been studying hard because i want to go over there and speak their native language be remembered for beating one of the heroes and then that i think that'll be a great exposure in uh in going there like uh that's the ticket to like the big league you know and whereas like i said fighting in new zealand is just like i'll just beat some guy you know i don't even know their names yeah i see so also right now the other thing is going on right now in terms of like bangkok is that one thing we got is like a whole flight restrictions and of course it's a hard it's definitely hard to travel i can pretty much understand like almost every person that i've spoken to or every person especially our age they just want to get out of the country because they felt like they were being completely uh held captive or not really held captive is the right word but completely held to this one location for literally just over a year especially in some countries where they've only literally just come out of lockdown here in perth we've been like super super lucky because we've had a couple of snap lockdowns here and there but our actual big lockdown in 2020 only lasted roughly a good two, at least two months, just a few months. Mm -hmm. And then that was it. And then since then, we've just had restrictions here and there, a couple of snap lockdowns, but nothing too serious. Now you were in Bangkok. So you, so you were in Thailand uh, when, when we had the whole massive COVID situation go down. Now, for someone who had no idea what it was like uh, over in uh, Thailand, what were you doing during that whole year to keep up with your training? Mm -hmm. So, um, one thing I really like about Thailand, it sounds kind of bad, is like the, I don't want to call it the corruption, but the fact that everything is, there's no rules. There's only guidelines in Thailand. So like, you know, like the gym's closed or like, you know, you're not allowed to meet people, but the nightclub's still open, these kind of things. So like, um, all we did was uh, when the gym was closed, uh, we couldn't train there. So we just grabbed the pads, go to the park, hit pads in the park with the coach. And um, yeah, we didn't really stop training that much. Uh, it definitely changed. We couldn't do as much grappling like on the grass or anything, but um, we're still hitting pads, bro, doing drills and stuff. But um, yeah, I think there's always going to be a way to do something, you know? And I think you can um, you can really judge like the character of a person by how they handled the the lockdown situation. I feel like there's a lot of people who really just like sort of gave up and sat down and waited for it to be fixed, and then there's people that like knuckled down and tried to make the most of all the spare time that they had. What do you think? A hundred percent agree on that one. Uh, some of the fighters that I've spoken to, I've uh, just given you a little, a little bit of context over in Australia right now, over east in uh, New South Wales. It, the, COVID, the COVID situation is absolutely horrendous. They're getting like over a thousand cases per day. Don't think it's ever been this high. They're getting quite a few deaths now, a lot of hospitalizations. The fighters that I've spoken to, they're just like, look, I can't control the whole COVID situation. I can't control this virus, but you know, I can control how I respond to it. Like I can, you know, I can get a bag and put it in my house and do surrounds. I can get some skipping rope and make sure I stay fit. Those sort of things are what i believe uh like also such yourself are those are the people that are eventually down the line gonna be eventually become champions because if they can adapt to a situation that involves literally a worldwide pandemic 
where people are dropping off and by the numbers and people are getting sick left, right and center and they still stay focused on the goal is a very, very powerful, powerful aspect of their character. Uh, now, also right now in Thailand, they're easing out. We're sort. You said you're coming out of restrictions right now. Um, and I know it's like we're only in September and you said you might not have anything for the rest of the year. But is there anywhere in particular or anyone, any fights that you're hoping to get running in Thailand before the year is through or what's your plan? Uh, in terms of fighting here in Thailand, bro, I'll, I'll probably just take anything. Like, I don't really care. Like, uh, I understand, like, with the times, you know, with the COVID times and the travel and everything, we're lucky to get any kind of fight. Obviously, I'd love to have, like, a, a big show, you know, overseas or fight for a belt or something, like, but if I could just get in the cage again before the end of the year, I'd be super happy, you know? Like, um, I don't really want to fight Muay Thai, but if that's the only thing I can get, then I will. Understood, understood. So we talked a fair bit about MMA, talked about Muay Thai. Tell me a little bit about your uh, grappling background. So um, when I first came to Thailand, um, I started doing a lot of jujitsu with my uh, and grappling. Like um, our wrestling coach right now, he's um, he's the same age as me, but he's like a former Marine uh, in America, and he was on the Marines wrestling team. So like he, instead of deployment, he would just uh, get paid to wrestle all day and represent the Marines at like wrestling competitions and stuff. So he's um, he's like a really really strong grappler. He's a flyweight as well, which is perfect for me. And um, initially, like when we were in Chiang Mai, it was just the two of us for a long time because everyone else had to fly home. And so um, we would just grapple every day. And, and I used to just get smashed, bro. And then eventually I was like catching up, you know, and now we're like sort of 50-50. But, um, and then we all made the move down here to Bangkok and um, we brought the whole team from Chiang Mai and a bunch of new guys from like Brazil, the Philippines, uh, America, so now we've got like a real solid team here of really good grapplers. A lot of guys in one, a lot of guys in Ryzen, different shows like this. So um, I only have a blue belt because I never really do gi. Like I kind of despise the gi, to be honest, but I think it's fucking annoying. Like um, I feel like you're fighting with your younger brother, you know, everyone's pulling your hair and stuff. <laughs> I'm not, uh, not really a big gi guy. It makes sense, though. I mean, personally, I do train with both the gear and the no gear uh, because it, you know, they're two very different systems. Uh, again, my grappling knowledge is a, little, is a bit very, very low tier. But one thing I do uh, when I talk to fighters, uh, very rarely do fighters actually usually compete with the gear. It's just because you're trying to get as, because now martial arts is so vast. There's so many styles out there. You want to find skills and styles that are best for you as well, especially when you're in the cage, when you're just finding in your shorts. You know, there's no collars, there's no uh, wrists, there's no sleeves, there's nothing you're grabbing hold of. So it's not that skills are bad, it's just they're not useful for you in your given situation. That's really all I can say. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's like um, there's nothing wrong with training in the gear occasionally, but like if you're for example, if you're trying to like escape the back, right. And then someone's trying to collar choke you, 
Well, all of this is unrealistic compared to fighting hands, fighting the wrists, protecting your neck. So like, uh, it's very different. Uh, I feel like if you do like a five minute round and there's four minutes of people holding the gi, then you've only really got one minute of actual grappling in and the rest of it's just been like, um, you know, the rest of it's not realistic. It's not relevant. That, that makes complete sense. Did you ever compete in any grappling tournaments? Uh, I did like the odd jiu-jitsu competition, like uh, in New Zealand and stuff, but not really, bro. Like, um, that's not really something that I that I do. That's all cool. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about your uh, what is it like competing at uh, flyweight? Uh, when did you make the transition between being a bantamweight to a flyweight? Um, I sort of decided when I came out here and I was, um, I was competing full-time training full-time, my weight sort of naturally crept down, like, because, um, I'm not working construction anymore. You know, I'm not like carrying, like I used to do scaffolding, which is very tough work. And so I always carried a lot of weight as well as I was sort of drinking and stuff too, like on the weekends. So I was always sort of naturally heavier. So I'd be like 75 walking around and so cut to 62 was quite big but now i sort of walk around like 68 70 so the cut to 57 is not such a big uh it's not such a big deal i just found like um i feel i perform better there that makes that makes complete sense and all and when you that doesn't sound like you've got really much of a weight cut really yeah well because like um i think the biggest weight cut i ever did was for when i fought ryan robertson and um, I went from, I think, 72 down to 57 in six weeks. So um, wow. that's a pretty big that's a pretty big cut, like 15 kilos. And um, I think it, it showed in the fight, to be honest. Like um, there's a couple of times where, like, I was taken down and stuff, and I was like, duh, fuck, <laughs> like, trying to uh, – yeah, I, I felt good, but not uh, – I feel like I didn't handle the weight cut very well. I didn't uh, perform it well. Well, I've had a nutritionist on the podcast before and tell me about the uh, how intense some of these weight cuts are, especially when you did it over a six-week six period, which isn't mm. too hard. But how did you manage to cut that much weight? Mm. So uh, a lot of it was – most of it was like water manipulation. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, you know, like – sweating sauna these kind of things and um the rest of it was just like calorie restrictions it's like um super tough training in thailand heat and like not eating just eating like vegetables and chicken and you know like classic horrible weight cutting foods and um yeah weight i sort of i usually lose weight pretty quickly like uh if i just like stop eating ice creams and stuff like my weight drops like pretty quick but um yeah, it was definitely, like, really tough. I think I got to Australia. I flew into Perth, and I think I was still, um, I think I was still, like, 64 or something like that, like, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days before. And then I just didn't really eat anything until after weigh-ins. Wow. Because I got down on my notes here that in, you fought in 2019 here in Perth. Was that your first mm-hmm. visit? To Perth? Yeah. 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 Awesome. So... And then when I watched watch back for the fight, I could definitely tell uh, there was like, some signs of fatigue coming in. But right off the first round, you actually really looked like you were holding your own pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. So 
I mean, I was pretty impressed by the fire. You were throwing some nice leg kicks. You had a solid jab going through. And there was one point at the, uh, in the first round where there was some sort of situation that you had with your eye. What was that all about? Um, it was, I feel like it was Vaseline. Um, we, I think it was right after our first like sort of wrestling exchange. Like I shot and we got back up and maybe we rubbed heads and I didn't really feel it. And then when we stood, we stood back and I was like, I just blinked and there's like vast in my eye, you know? And I was just, all I needed to do was just wipe it up. But like, I had nothing to wipe it with. I'm not wearing a shirt. So um, I just had to wipe Vaseline out of my eye and we were ready to go. It wasn't like a poke or anything. It was just, I think I had a big lump of vas like under my eye. I think it just went in during the, during the fight. Uh, that makes complete sense. Now, Obviously, that was oh, your last loss, unfortunately. But given the competitive nature of the fight, it was actually it was very it was very very impressive. Now, obviously, we got Perth being open right now, and that we actually have an eternal event coming up in October. Now, I'm just saying hypothetically. I'm not no I'm no matchmaker, but if you would like to, if you could run that back with Ryan, would you take the chance? One hundred percent. Like I like Ryan. Um, we sat down and chilled after the fight. Like he's a great dude, but um, it's business, you know. Like I feel like uh, I don't feel like I was outclassed. Um, I think in my leading up to that fight, actually, there was um a big transition of where it's it's got nothing to. I don't want to take. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm taking anyway anything away from Ryan, but for me, um, we were just in the middle of leaving my gym in Chiang Mai lots of beef going on with the coaches. And so, um, uh, like, for example, I went there by myself. I didn't take a coach. I didn't take a cornerman or a friend or nothing. I, I flew to Perth by myself, cut weight um, by myself. And then um, I, I knew one person in Perth. It was like my old drinking buddy from high school. So he was just chilling in the crowd somewhere. And then, um, so I felt kind of, uh, I wasn't, on, I wasn't there, you know. I feel like I wasn't there to fight like I'm normally there to fight. So um, I think that definitely played a factor uh, in my, you know, I feel like you can see in some of the exchanges I'm not really there. Like we're taken down. I'm not really scrambling. I'm kind of just like, uh, you know, more like a role than like a, an actual fight. So um, for me, yeah, I would definitely like to run that back. I know he's training in Bali now, so he's um, – yeah, it'll be he's training full time as well, which is good. Uh, yeah, I'd love to run it back with Ryan if I could. That's it. That's interesting. So you mentioned that you didn't take any coaches or anyone along with you. Uh, do you mind me asking why was that the case? Um, the I'm a person that thrives off like positivity. You know, like uh, I only do positive, but I don't do negative like at all. And um, we were right in the middle of. Uh, the gym in Chiang Mai was falling apart, um, arguing between the fighters and the coaches, and um, so which was actually why I moved to Bangkok. We had an argument with the coach, and I brought the whole team to Bangkok, and the coach left, went back to America. But um, so I, I was like, uh, my two options were bring someone who I really don't like, who's super negative, or go by myself. And I was like, well, well fuck it. I, I trust me more than I trust them, so I'll come by myself. Wow, that's fucking ballsy. That's what I'm going to say. I mean, <laughs> you usually, like, 
when when you speak to fighters, you know, they've always got their team around them. They've got people who usually give them advice. It's rare. It's it's not that it's not was definitely not common, but again, it's quite not too rare either. But for someone to be, you know, especially on their own, especially at a very uh, young age as well, when you you're sort of still learning the ropes to sport, but to take that opportunity, especially to fight in Perth in a state you haven't mm-hmm. been in and you were the co i believe you were the co-main event as well it's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's, it's an achievement on its own I, I doubt there's very few people that would actually even taken the opportunity to do that uh so yeah i was um i was trying to break into australia for a while because it's so much closer than new zealand and there's higher level competition there and so um i actually I just started deeming every page, like, uh, was it like Diamond FC, XFC, like all of the Australian promotions. And no one wanted to fly me out because I'm in Thailand, you know, and it's expensive for them. So I just told um, Cam at Eternal, I was like, bro, you, I'll fly myself there. I was like, you get me a flight. I'll fly myself there. I'll cover myself for everything. Uh, I just want to fight. I, I, don't, I don't care who, you know. And then I got Ryan. And so that's uh, sort of how it all played out. And, um, yeah, I took the loss and, you know, I, I hate losing. Yeah, it sucks. But um, but now they know that I'm serious, you know. Now when they need a flyweight, they know they can call me. They know that they can – I'll be there, you know. So I think it was worth all the experience uh, just for the fact that now I'm being taken seriously. You know, they know that I'm here to fight. I'm a legitimate fighter. Mm, interesting. That makes uh, – interesting. Now – also, one thing I personally wanted to ask you, like as well, because I'll give you a little bit of background background again about myself. I am um, a coach at the UFC gym in Balcata, which is in Perth as well. So, you know, I like to work with uh, as many people as I can, different disciplines. I had a background in sports science and exercise and health from UWA. Uh, so I'm, and obviously, I personally right now as I work as a strength coach when you know I'm not trying to build up this podcast and all. So one thing I always like to ask fighters is I'm very, very fascinated about nutrition and strength and conditioning. Now you definitely have got your skills like constantly like nailed down. Obviously you're in Bangkok where, you know, you're pretty much training for a living. But uh, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you personally, like what do you do for strength and conditioning? Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of like strength, I focus mainly on just compound lifts. So normally once, sometimes twice a week, usually once a week, I'll do like, you know, your squat, bench, dead, uh, overhead press, hinge, clean, these kind of things. Um, just for like general strength and uh, like grip and everything. But um, And then in terms of conditioning, we'll do um, leading up to a fight, especially we'll do like uh, three fives or four fives of um, – we call like sharking. So like first minute on the air dine, like uh, or the assault bike, you know, as fast as you can. Then uh, in the ring, you'll be like on the pads. When you start losing power on the pads, someone will shoot on you. So you have to start wrestling. You get up back on the pads, back like, uh, so you're just getting pretty much smashed for like the whole time. And um, what we do like, yeah, circuits, you know, like, uh, like hit style, like minute on the ropes, minute slid, ride the bike but um i'm not like a real big like strength and conditioning guy like i don't do i know some people do three or four times a week you know like they do like upper body lower body cardio sprints i i'm not a big strength and conditioning guy i do it a couple times a week and then majority of my training comes from 
training, hitting pads, wrestling hard. Like, uh, yeah, it's something I do more of leading into fight camp because uh, when you're training so often, if you go and do like a heavy squat session, your legs are sore for three days. And then you got, what, six, seven trainings in those three days. It's going to take a big toll on your overall, uh, like on your overall recovery. So it's something that I try and balance evenly. What would your, um, what would your advice be as a strength coach? Uh, if I were you, I would focus back on specific, uh, very specific exercises. Uh, so there's, Oh, one, there's a whole bunch that I usually go through when it comes to uh, fighters. One thing I like to focus on a lot is bands, uh, mainly mm-hmm. is because when you get to full extension, that's where the muscle is most strong. So if, when you get to a full eccentric contraction, let's say it's your jab, that's when your muscle is most strongest. Mm-hmm. So normally what I do is I get a, I get a band, wrap it around a pole, and I get someone to practice just their jab as quickly as they can, just pop it off, and maybe their hooks. Another thing we do mm-hmm. is quite often is the landmine press because you know it replicates the elements of a straight of a straight right or a jab uh another thing which i get fighters do a lot which i usually enjoy is do you know what a kaiser machine is i feel like i should know what it is yeah it's like a cable machine i'll send you i can send you for a few exercises for sure it's a cable machine where it's got two handles and you can adjust the weight and mm-hmm. what I make them do is that you get into a fighting stance and then I make them throw just straights and rights with the, with their handles in mm-hmm. their hands. Now, the reason why is because personally, when it comes to boxing, you may see a lot of fighters doing uh, where they grab dumbbells and they put them in their hands and then they do shadow boxing. The reason why I don't like that is because it is a, uh, a vertical weight against a horizontal movement which again actually can actually slow you down it's been proven to slow you down however if you get a vertical weight sorry a horizontal weight with a horizontal movement it can actually make you a whole lot quicker uh so and then there's things like med ball slam medicine ball slams you know they build explosiveness trap bar jumps which again help build explosiveness in the legs again these very specific exercises to help you because like uh there's just certain exercises I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend for a fi- uh, for a fighter. It's just because they're not specific to your sport. Understood? Yeah, yeah. I don't really do like straight bar deadlift because I'm not like a. Uh, I never learned how to deadlift straight bar properly, and the amount of time it takes to work your way up and that kind of thing, I don't really have the time. So I use a trap bar. People call they're like like it's cheating, you know. It's like oh lazy, but um, it's just a safety thing. Like if I pull my back, I might be out for a couple of weeks, you know. A hundred percent. Uh, it's not cheating at all. Uh, I, I honestly, I'm the biggest fan of the trap bar. Uh, I believe because what it does, it takes the weight off your lower back and places it onto your hips. Mm-hmm. And where, where does the kicking occur from? From the hip, you know. What I mean, it makes you quicker in the teep. It makes you quicker in a jump as well. Another thing I get them to do is uh, load up trap bar and do farmer's carries uh, because mm-hmm. it's such an effective core exercise. It's such an effective mm-hmm. overall full body exercise as well. Uh, yeah, so those are usually my go-tos. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about, like uh, you talk about, you know, focusing on your nutrition when you're cutting weight. Like what's your nutrition usually like day to day? Do you have anyone helping you out or you usually like do your own thing? Uh, for the most part, I just 
uh, go by how my body feels. So like, um, like I don't do like a lot of milk or dairy. Like I don't drink protein shakes because um, I feel kind of like, I don't know, fat, I guess. Like I get like sort of pimply and shit. So I don't really drink like uh, protein and stuff, but I just try to make sure if I'm losing weight, I have to make sure that every calorie I have is also like nutritious, you know? Like, um, like if you eat chocolate, it's a lot of calories, but you're not getting anything out of it, you know? So like, uh, I want to make sure I'm eating like vegetables and these kind of things, salmon, uh, fruits, but, um, usually I just check my weight and average it over the week. So check my weight every morning, add it up, divide it by seven. And then as long as it's dropping each week, that's sort of how I know, uh, that my weight is going down because otherwise, um, yeah, otherwise, if you weigh yourself every day, maybe you had more for dinner, maybe you drank water, your weight fluctuates, and then you panic, you know? So I try and, um, as long as I see my weight consistently dropping, uh, just from restricting calories, that's what I go for. But I guess, um, like, the classic, like, gym meme of, like, clean eating, you know? As long as I'm eating healthy food and I don't feel, like, lethargic or slow, then... But I don't, I never like count macros or, you know, weigh my rice or anything like that. Like, um, that's a fair point. That's a, that's good to hear. And so right now I was say we're just leading up to the end of this, uh, the podcast mm-hmm. episode, uh, cause I got to get my butt back to work and sure you got things to do as well. I just wanted to, uh, the last part of the podcast I always do for everyone is I like them boys. I like to just ask. Would you like to take the time? Is there anyone in particular you want to thank or anyone you want to extend your gratitude to? If it's a person or is there any sponsors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So, um, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's been um, great to talk to you, bro. I really appreciate the time. Um, yeah, and just everyone here at my gym, uh, Marok Force MMA here in uh, Bangkok, Thailand. And um, I do actually have some sponsors too, uh, Singha and Carabao. Um, these guys really look after us here, um, supply us with gear and all the stuff. So, um, yeah, thank you to everybody, uh, who's helped me along the way so far. Thank you very much for your time, Jack. Really appreciate it. All the best, man. And hopefully, uh, when you come to Perth, man, uh, we can, hopefully we can catch up, man. So, because I think earlier you mentioned, oh, you already have one drinking buddy, but you know, (laughs) you know, from high school. (laughs) Oh, well, uh-huh. if, if there's any way or shape or form I can help you while you're in your, here in Perth, man, please don't be afraid to reach out, man. Awesome. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate it. Um, keep me uh, keep me in the loop with these shows in October because uh, who knows? I might be there. Yeah. I hope to see you there too. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it.